All right, before I get to my next guest, Bob Grissett, I want to give a shout-out to a few of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Golf Pride. In golf, light grip pressure releases power. Golf Pride engineered a secret that pros know. A larger lower hand encourages lighter pressure. Plus 4 technology is designed with four additional layers, which reduces tension in the lower hand to generate more power. Play Plus 4 and release the secret that pros know. Now available on Tour Velvet. The winningest grip on Tour. Grip confidence, grip golf pride. I also want to remind you about our friends over at Finn Cycles. It's time to rethink golf. The game is at a tipping point. The young people we need in the game don't have four and a half hours to spend out on the course. Pairing Finn Cycles with a desire to play ready golf can cut playing time in half because all golfers go directly to their own golf ball. Plus, it's tons of fun. Go online to finscooters.com and click on Find a Finn for a course that has them near you. I also want to give another shout-out to our friends over at the McLemore. The McLemore Mountaintop community rests atop the highlands of Lookout Mountain, Georgia, overlooking historic McLemore Cove and Pigeon Mountain. Surrounded on all sides by state and national parks, historic land districts, and private land trusts, the resort features an 18-hole Reese Jones and Bill Bergen championship course, a gated residential community, and a planned clubhouse opening in the fall of 2020, plus planned hotel and conference center. The dramatic 18-hole course is made up of a variety of golf experiences, combining canyon holes, highland holes, cliff edge holes that are well-suited for the beginning golfer as well as the senior player. McLemore also offers a wonderful six-hole short course called the Karen. Designed by Bill Bergen, the Karen provides players with a short warm-up or cool-down before or after a round, or a relaxing way to improve one's game with family and friends. McLemore is located a short driving distance from Atlanta, Nashville, Knoxville, Birmingham, and Huntsville, and just 35 minutes from downtown Chattanooga, voted number one best town in America two years in a row by Outside Magazine. While a private course, McLemore offers stay-and-play packages for guests in club-managed properties, as well as a number of membership opportunities, including social memberships, non-resident memberships, and corporate memberships as well. For more information, please visit McLemore online at themclemore.com or give them a call at 800 800- Three two nine eight one five four. All right, now joining me here on Next on the T is one of the top instructors in the game, and that's Bob Grissett. I want to give you some background on Bob. He played his college golf at the University of Miami. He's been named by Golf Digest as one of the top instructors in the state of Florida. He's the former director of instruction at the club at Morningside in Rancho Mirage, California. Now resides back down in South Florida. He's written a couple of books, 10 Lessons, The True Fundamentals of the Golf Swing, and 10 Keys, Basic Elements of the Golf Swing. He's a good friend of, uh, we have a good mutual friend in Tom Patry. Tom says, you got to get this guy on the show. And when TP talks, I absolutely listen. And I'm very honored that Bob is with me tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Bob, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Chris. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, it, it, it's nice to know that uh, TP had such a great influence over you. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, Bob. Sometimes I go I go both ways. I'm not really sure, but uh, God knows I love TP. He's a, he's a wonderful friend. Oh, he's the best. He is the best. Bob, when I when I was doing my research on you, the first thing I really wanted to go was back to your to your college golf days at the University of Miami. But uh, in trying to research it, I was I was sort of stunned to find out that uh, Miami at least no longer has a men's golf program, got a ladies program, no men's got college golf at the University of Miami. What happened? Do you know? 
when I went to college, the uh, the golf coach was actually uh, Dr. Houston. He was chairman of the finance department, and he didn't even play golf. <laughs> we, wow. we had our own in which which twenty seven colleges participated in at the at the Biltmore. Uh, but uh, golf has never been a, a priority. I think we had a number of ladies that went on to be pretty good. Uh, Donna uh, uh, Albers, I believe. Uh, but there were a few of them that, that became good. So I, I really don't know. I, to, to be honest, I haven't kept up with my alma mater too much. But uh, uh, with the COVID that's going on and everything, my fear is that a lot of these golf programs are going to be go by the wayside. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um Let's go back to the beginning with you, Bob. Talk to talk about uh, the sports you played as a kid and and when golf became something that uh, that you decided you wanted to pursue. Yes, well, I played everything. I was primarily a baseball player. Started when I was uh, really young with that. I ended up with uh, five professional contract offers at one point. Um, wow! But I played football, played soccer, I played basketball, and golf and baseball. Um, and golf, um, we, I, I really got serious with it my, my junior year in high school. And I uh, went to a small prep school in Wisconsin called Wayland Academy and then went on, obviously, to the University of Miami. Um, I was going to go to Wake Forest. Uh, and the reason I chose Miami was because when I went down to Wake Winston-Salem, the uh, weather was a little chilly. It was in the winter. I was with my dad. It was like 45 degrees. And I went to Miami and it was 75 degrees. So I liked that. <laughs> and then the other reason down was because uh, someone who became a mentor to me uh, and who I wanted to work with was Bob Toski, who I uh, worked with for about four years when he was at the Ocean Reef Club in North Key Largo. My first teacher of the game, my mom was a really good player. And my first instructor was Johnny Revolta. John was at Evanston Golf Club in Chicago. I grew up in Illinois, so we would we would drive in there, and it was I can remember my first lesson with him where I walked across the you had to walk across the 18th fairway to get there, and you know I told my mom I was 11 years old, and I said that's the biggest green I've ever seen, and I was walking <laughs> uh, to the tee. Mr. Revolta was with a lady, and, and and I could hear him in a voice say, "Ma'am, you just ran out of talent, and I just ran out of patience." So. <laughs> Wow. Uh, but that was, uh, that was, uh, I, I said, mom, he seems mean. She says, no, never mind. He's great. So uh, he was a great help to him, to me in, in those early years. And, and obviously Toski, uh, you know, was a legend in the, and great player too, but a legend probably more so for his teaching. Yeah. And when I was, uh, looking over your website, it's, uh, Bob um, you talk about some of the, the great instructors that you've worked with or, or studied. You talk about Toski, David Ledbetter, Jack Grout, Jack Nicholas's mm -hmm. teacher. Talk about what you learned from those guys. Uh, a little bit of, ev of uh, everything from everyone. everyone. Uh, I, you know, Jack Grout was at, at the time was at Lagorse in Miami. I didn't take a lot of lessons from him, but a few. Uh, I would say Toski was probably the main influence. Uh, I also work with a lady who's not mentioned. His name was Alice Kirby. Um, Alice's sister uh, was the live-in uh, girlfriend for Sam Snead. So one of the things that I got to do when I was in college uh, was on uh, probably 15 or 16 occasions over a couple of years, um, Alice's sister, Lucille, was the live-in girlfriend for, for Homer Snead, Sam's brother. And Sam would come down for the winter to play with his brother, and he didn't like playing with girls. So... 
uh, playing golf with girls anyway. So uh, long, long story short, sometimes Paul, Alice's husband, was invited, and I was invited like 15 or 16 times. So that was quite a quite an education to play with him at that time. Um, so, you know, in those, in those years, um, learned a lot about the golf swing, learned a lot about playing golf. I think Toski was really, really uh, good with that. Um, um, struggled, you know, in, in those years, you, there was no all exempt tour. You were going through Monday morning qualifiers. Um, so, so did that. And then uh, ultimately, uh, hung up my playing days and decided I would teach golf, and that's what I've done ever since. Quest, uh, in terms of learning all that I could about the golf swing, never ceased. So that continues to this day. I mean, I think any instructor that's worth their salt never stops learning. You always continue to try to learn. So I want to go back. You got to play a dozen-plus times out with Sam Snead. What was that like? Um scary the first couple of times. Uh, he was nice to me, uh, which, which was interesting um, because, but it was incredible just to watch him play. Um, there were some things that I, I looked back and looked back at his golf swing. I was, uh, had incredible depth in his right hip uh, on the backswing and, and uh, uh, was just the, the purest, obviously the sweetest swing you've ever seen. And maybe the, maybe the purest, ball striker that I had seen to that point. I mean, later on in my, uh, in my quest, I played a lot with, Ma- with Mo Norman. So I was able to, to have two of the best that ever lived in terms of ball striking. I was able to uh, play with them at some time in my life. Bob, one of the other instructors you listed on your website is Mac O'Grady, a guy that played out on tour in the 70s and the 80s, and uh, a guy who could play either way, left-handed or right-handed. And um, I actually saw when I was looking him up, one of the things that I, I sort of got a chuckle about is he once tried to enter the Chrysler team championship as both members of the team. He wanted to play one ball right-handed and one ball left-handed, but they, uh, they yeah. wouldn't let him do it. But um, certainly well, an eccentric a- guy. And, uh, what, what did you learn from Mac? Well, he had an ongoing battle with Dean Beeman, who was the commissioner, but uh, Mac is uh uh, Mac is a savant, uh, and I think, in uh, all honesty, I think he's made more contributions to the uh, study of the golf swing probably than anyone I've ever known, uh, and that's that's a mouthful. Uh, but yeah, most definitely, he really built his left hand. He is left-handed, by the way, but he built his left-handed swing to to prove his theories. Um, and you know, a lot of it was different. It was different than things that you'd heard before. Um, and he's still around today. He's actually living in Japan now, um, doing a little bit of painting and comes back to the States to do some schools here and there. But, uh, you know, I'm one of those, those that, well, probably is everybody, every single person that ever ended up working with Mac ultimately got kicked off the reservation. So, um, (laughs) that, that would, uh, there, there, you can find a laundry list of those guys. Bob, you posted a picture of Jack Nicholas uh, putting on your Instagram page, and in my mind, you know, Mr. Nicholas is the greatest putter of all time. Particularly any any time he had to he had to make a putt, it seemed like he did. Um, wanted to get your thoughts on uh, on Jack Nicholas's putting stroke, and and uh, a comment that was made uh, on that picture is something that I that I agree with. It's it's amazing to me what a great putter he was. 
but no one ever tried to emulate it. What are your thoughts on his putting stroke? Well, uh, my main thought is that, as you stated, he made everything. Um, he wasn't necessarily the best chipper in the world or pitcher or sand player in the world until later in his career when he worked with Phil Rogers. But early, and I mean, I don't know what he would have won if he had been, if he had had a great short game early in his career, but his percentage of getting up and down was really good because, uh, you know, anything inside eight to 10 feet, um, I mean, he made all those. Um, uh, main thing that he tried to do when he putted was get comfortable. And, and he wouldn't draw it back till he got comfortable, but, uh, he uses kind of a Paul Runyon type grip where the hands are kind of turned under both of them. So the clubs are in the palm, but it takes the wrists out of the stroke. Uh, and, um, a great putting stroke. I, I agree. I don't know why people don't copy it because, uh, I think your summation, you know, the only argument I might have, there might be one person that's a better putter than him in the history of the game. And that might be Mr. Woods toss up. Bob, I want to get some some playing lessons from you because you're such a, a great instructor of the game. And talk about how, how can we gain more control of our club base, and how do we know when we're when it's you know getting away from us? Well, that's a big that's a big question, Chris. <laughs> um, the, the the largest single uh, swing fault that I see on a day to day basis. And uh, I would I would also see it with professionals that are struggling with their ball hitting, but would be the in, in amateurs it's just very very common would be early extension. So what early extension is? It's any time in your golf swing when your pelvis or your knees are moving toward the golf ball. Uh, in a golf swing, uh, you you have to bend over to play golf, so we call that flexion in terms of medical terms. In the backswing, the best players in the world extend or they come out of their flexion. That's how they stay centered. Um, and then they also side bend always in the opposite of the turn. Uh, so on the downswing, they have to get back into flexion or they have to rehinge their hips. I mean, there was a recent picture of Tiger practicing that, which people thought was a little strange, but all he was really doing was trying to get his hips rebent on the downswing so he didn't pop up. So what happens is when you early extend, the club gets trapped a little bit behind you, the path gets a little excessively to the right, you're going to release it early, so you're going to have hip stall of impact. I don't know if any of this sounds familiar, but <laughs> you get you get hip stall of impact and then you high rate of closure or a flip, and you can hit it either way. I mean, you're going to end up with total military golf where you get two-way misses. Uh, so that would be the biggest thing to try to control uh, is to learn uh, um, to do drills uh, that are going to help you with early extension. I mean, it's, it's what I deal with continually all the time, almost every day. And one of the things you show on your website is thoracic spine rotation. Uh And, you know, I think based on how how much you have of that can can help you improve how far you can hit the golf ball. Talk about thoracic spine rotation, how much and how do we know when we're we've got, you know, I guess sort of the proper amount of that. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it rotation. I would call it extension. So the, the, the spine extends, and that's actually what elevates the arms on the backswing. Every player in the history of the game has done it. Not necessarily everybody has known they've done it because it wasn't taught. Um, but through, through using uh, any form of, of 3D that we have today, which would be sensors that can measure bends, tilts, turns, and sways, you know, we kind of know what the spine does. 
So the long drive guys would extend the most. So extension is basically your thoracic spine extending, in a sense, almost back towards the target. If it's leaning towards the target, that would be considered like a reverse spine angle. And there are some players in the history of the game, Colin Montgomery, Johnny Miller, that did that. But most of them extend to a point that where the spine would go from, let's say, 40 degrees forward bend at address, the top of the swing, it would get to about zero. I know that's hard for people to understand, but that's absolutely what happens. And their bend at address, which is usually somewhere in the neighborhood of 5 to 10 degrees to the right because their right hand's lower on the club, uh, they would go from right bend at address to left bend at the top. And to stay level, uh, your left bend would have to equal whatever your forward bend was at address. So in simple terms, uh, if you're bent forward 40 degrees at address, you have to side bend to the left 40 degrees on the backswing in order to keep the same height. Um, and, and, make, and that allows your shoulders to turn perpendicular to your bent over spine. But it's a tremendous source of power. Um, the extension pieces on the forward swing are also a tremendous source of power. And, and, and you know, when I was talking about early extension, it's the same, same thing. People have never been taught how their spine functions in a golf swing, and the spine is the engine of the swing. And that's, that's what I'm doing on a daily basis, whether it's fixing early extension or if it's fix, fixing turning inflection on the backswing. Like the older player who says, well, I can't turn, I can't get my arms up, uh, I, I lack flexibility. I've taken a lot of people that lack flexibility, and I, they get flexibility in about five minutes. I think the main thing is that they get the correct information that's going to allow them. And it's not that complicated. It's pretty easy to do and pretty easy to understand. I have on, on my phone, Chris, I've got, uh, as Tom knows, I've got uh, – at this point, he might not know this. I've got 44,500 combination videos and or photos. Um, so when I'm teaching, I'm using a lot of that to demonstrate what the best players do. Because I think a lot of times people say, swing your swing, or they all swing different. And I, I would disagree with that. Hands and arms are different. Uh, body motions, every tour player side bends to the left on the back swing. They extend their spine. They turn in the circle. They change flex in their knees. They get back in flexion in the downswing, they extend on the forward swing, and they right bend. Every tour player does that. So that's the commonality they have. The differences that they have is that John Rahm and Ricky Fowler are laid off at the top, and uh, Matthew Wolf is across the line. Uh, when they get down to mid-downswing where the left arm's parallel to the ground, they're all going to be pretty similar, and obviously impact's going to be pretty close to some variabilities in terms of hip rotation, depending on a number of factors. But that's really a big key to being able to get consistent contact. I have three fundamentals that I teach. Number one is controlling the low point of the golf club. That's the most important thing, being able to hit the ground in the same place every time. Second fundamental is having enough power to play. Uh, you're not going to play very well if you, if, you, if you can't get home on par fours or hit long par threes or get home in three on par fives. And the third thing would be controlling the curve. And that's an interesting one that we could have a long conversation with because the the uh, ball flight laws that were uh, perpetuated on on uh, the public for the last 50 years were wrong. Um, TrackMan has, has has proven what the correct ball flight laws are. You know that's all due to a to a scientist who published a book called called the uh, Physics of Golf named Theodore Jorgensen. He did that in 1992. And the TrackMan technology has certainly aided in that. So, 
So, Bob, I want to go back to a point you made a moment ago. Flexibility. You said people come and say, well, I, I can't get my arms up. I, I'm, I'm not that flexible. And you can fix it in five minutes. How? By teaching them how the spine functions. Because if they stand erect, if they were to stand erect, and you told someone to bend forward, maybe everybody couldn't touch their fingers to the ground, but they could all bend forward 45 or 40 degrees, whatever, which is enough to play golf with. And they can all stand up, too. Um, then if you ask them to side bend to the left or side bend to the right, they could do that as well. And I don't care how flexible or inflexible they are, they all can do that to some degree. They can all rotate when they're standing up. They can rotate to the right, rotate to the left, and you know, almost 100% can do that to 90 degrees. The issue becomes is when you bend them forward, it changes the parameters. And the problem with golf instruction is that people have been taught to do one thing, and that's turn or rotate. And that's an ambiguous term. It certainly is part of what I call a pivot, but it's only a small part. Uh, the, the, the biggest uh, inducer to being able to turn more in the golf swing is learning to side bend and extend. That'll produce 40 to 50% more rotation. So that, it's a function of learning how to do that. And like I said, that can be learned in a very, very short period of time. I, I had a lady that had taken a bunch of lessons, um, had spent, uh, everybody told her that she wasn't flexible enough. She needed to go see a trainer. She spent about 10000 on trainers, 20000 on lessons. And, uh, you know, I watched her swing and she was turning inflection, which what that means is that you're bent over and you're turning and staying bent over. You're not creating any extension in your spine. And uh, long story short, she was one of the ones that became flexible, and she did it in about four minutes. <laughs> Doesn't wow. take long once you explain to them what to do and you show them the exercises that they can do to do it. They can do it pretty quickly. And Bob, just a, from a from a going back to the basics, the very basics of of setup. One of the things that uh, that I didn't know anything about until just you know probably a year or two ago. Is, is changing my setup on the drive is kind of the, the reverse K. Setup as the reverse K to help you launch the, the golf ball better. Are you a believer? Is, is the reverse K the proper setup uh, for driving and maybe just in general? Um, yes and no. Uh, I like to see the shoulders on top of the hips, on top of the ankles, on top of the feet. Um, I, the ball is forward. Uh, I don't like to see people leaning way to the right because it inhibits the ability to be able to side bend to the left on the backswing. I think this the, the reverse K comes about because people are telling people they need to hit up on a driver. And there's no question that all the data and, and my track man or anybody's track man would validate that hitting up definitely hits the ball farther. But there's a right way to hit up and a wrong way to hit up. And the wrong way to hit up is to tilt more to the right, which is what most people do. Uh, when I work with the variety, uh, the variety of tour players that I work with, uh, you know, I can tell you that, that, that if a hundred tour players came to me, they were having ball striking problems. 98 or 99 of them are going to have excessive right bend on the downswing. Uh, it's what I see every single time with a better player. And that creates, again, can help create early extension at a minimum will cause hip stall and again cause the path to go excessively to the right. Uh, they're hitting pushes, and then they try to roll it over with their hands, and they're hitting hooks. So a, a reverse K in the literal sense would have the right knee kicked way in. I, I, I don't see any of the top players in the game that have ever set up that way. 
I mean, Gary Player, you could say, but but he really didn't set up that way. What he did is he kicked his right knee in uh, before he took the club back. So it was really a part of his uh, uh, his pattern in terms of getting the swing started. And I, I I I listened to him on your show. That was terrific. He's great. Bob, you you've got a video on your Instagram page as well of of Tiger hitting putts with his right hand only. Talk about what yep. that can do to help us improve our putting stroke. Yeah, Tiger uh, starts every practice session a very short putt, and it'll be right hand only and. Once he hits a couple putts, then he'll set up a gate, which means he puts the uh, a tee on the outside and the inside of the putter to make sure the putter stays between that gate. And he'll continue right-handed. He'll add some length sometimes because he kind of practices short and long, which is a great way to practice. Um, but in Tiger's case, Tiger probably uh, – a putter doesn't – the best putters in the world have never swung straight back and straight through. There's always an arc to it. So the fact that he's using his right hand helps the arc. And the reason Tiger does it more than anything else, you'll hear him talk about it. When he's putting poorly, he'll always say the same thing, that he wasn't able to release the putter. So there is a release with a putter on the forward part of the swing. It's got a release in the curve of the arc. Instead of going in and then straight through or trying to go straight back, which means you'd have to go shut going back, his arc and his putting stroke, is abnormally large, meaning in, in Sam Putt Labs, when they tested all the different putters, Tiger's arc is probably the largest in the history of the game, uh, meaning the amount that the putter is opening and closing. But uh, nevertheless, uh, he's the best, uh, you know, whether everybody can. But I think, I think practicing right hand is, is, is right hand only. In fact, I suggest it for chipping and pitching as well. I think it's a great hmm. way to practice, to learn to, maintain lag, especially with, with chipping and pitting, uh, pitching, uh, control the low point, uh, learn to pivot your body better. Uh, I think it's tremendous to use in, uh, in full swings as well. Bob, you've written a couple of, uh, of books. Like I say, one uh, is 10 lessons, the, the true fundamentals of the golf swing. Talk about, uh, talk about your books, how people can get a copy of them. And, and when, once they pick them up, well, what they'll be able to read and what they'll learn from it. There's two books. Ten Keys uh, was written basically for most people that play. It's a short book. It's 113 pages, but it's got a lot of powerful content. Uh, it kind of simplifies. Uh, you know, I believe that a, a, burst, a person can learn a basic golf swing with ten words, and that's sort of what the, the book that, uh, shows, although there's a lot of pictures in it that shows grip, set up, everything. The larger book, um, it's 730 pages. Uh, as a hard copy, uh, it weighs a little over eight pounds. It's eight and a half wow. by 11. So I always suggest that people, if they purchase it, it's probably better to own it uh, in the PDF version that you can download into your phone or tablet. But you know, it's a book that that, that, that took a lot of love and a long time to write. And you know, thankfully, um, you know, there's many people in the industry, uh, a lot of the teachers that are in the industry uh, use it as their reference tool or use it with their golf schools. There's many, many schools and clubs that the entire staff has the book. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's, how do you talk about something you wrote and sound 
arrogant or egotistical about it and at the same time you know uh get the point across that it's probably a great for everybody um that i have to I, I don't know how i can do that but i honestly think if i didn't re- if, if i hadn't written this book and and i saw this book uh i would buy it because it's it it really can help people a lot there's a lot of drills uh, Chris, in teaching golf, the main thing for people to understand is that the golf swing is a feel, it's not a thought. And the only way you can change a pattern in a golf swing is either through drills or training aids. It's not through thought. You can't, you can't partition a one and a half second golf swing where the backswing is taking half the time and the impact area is taking tenths of a second and be thinking about things to do there. So using drills and or training aids um are, are the way you do it so what 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 both books do is they lay out a template of how to swing a golf club uh, they go through the ball flight laws um obviously the other book being more advanced gets deeper has more drills in it uh more pictures than you could ever find because i think if i'm going to state something as a golf professional i ought to be able to back up whatever i state uh with evidence and the evidence would be the the best players that have ever played the game so the book's available on my website, both of them. Uh, it's uh, it's Uh Spelling is B-O-B-G-R-I-S-S as in Sam, E-T-T as in Tom, uh, .com. Um, and uh, again, I would suggest the PDF versions. Load them under your phone. Load them under your iPad. And uh, anybody can message me on Instagram at any time. Uh, if they have any questions, I'm always happy to answer. And talk about your handle on uh, on Twitter and on Instagram. How can they find you? Yeah, I'm I'm just at Bob Grissett on uh, on both uh, Instagram and Twitter, uh, and I'm also on Facebook as well. Uh, so uh, I have a nice following. I do a lot of posts. I've probably posted six thousand posts on Instagram. And all my Instagram posts go to Twitter, too, by the way. That's one nice thing about Instagram is you can create a post there and it'll go to Facebook and Instagram at the same time, um, which is which is great. But uh, Instagram is awesome. I mean, as a, as a, I think anyone who is serious about their game, uh, Instagram is the place where you can get the most information. I think you would agree with that, even with, uh, with your show and everything else. I think you probably get the most bang for your buck from there. Am I assuming yeah. correctly? Yeah, absolutely right. Couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. Well, yeah. Bob, it's it's certainly been a pleasure having you as part of the show. It's always it's interesting to to understand all of the uh, sort of the physics and the um, the sort of mechanics of the golf swing and and understand kind of break it down to know where we're going wrong and what we can try to do to kind of get get ourselves back on the right plane. I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime. A whole lot more I'd love to get into with you. Anytime, Chris. I really appreciate you having me and uh, the best to everyone out there and let's get better. That's right. Bob, take care. Stay safe, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. You too, Chris. Thanks, bud. Bye-bye. See you, Bob. That's a ba- uh, the great Bob Grissett. And, uh, and folks, uh, I, can't, I can't recommend his uh, Instagram feed hard enough. I mean, he's got all kinds of pictures and he kind of breaks it down a little bit for you shows you know some of the angles and some of the things he was talking about tonight he actually gives it to you in the in those pictures so he draws lines and angles so you can really get a visual for some of the things that he was trying to talk about tonight so 
Bob Grissett uh, is uh, is one of the best teachers on the planet. And when you write an instructional book that weighs that much and it's over 700 pages and you break it down to the detail that he does with all of the pictures and illustrations, you, you know he knows what he's talking about when it comes to the golf swing. So be sure to go check him out. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. want to send out my sincere thanks to Bob Friend, John Cook, and Bob Grissett for joining me tonight. Please check out our website, nextonthetee.net. You'll be able to find our guest schedule on there and keep up to date with who we have scheduled to come on the show. And next week's scheduled to join me is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. Uh, another great instructor and the, and the host of uh, New Breed of Golf on Sirius XM's PGA Tour channel, uh, Michael Breed, will be a part of the show. And uh, and if you've seen Charlie Reimer's video on my website, nextonthetee.net, or either on uh, my Instagram page or Twitter page, at CT Mascaro, Charlie will be on the show as well. Get a little jab in there to Michael Breed as well. But uh, Charlie Reimer will be here. Uh, and as he says in the video, he's packing heat because he's bringing the president of the beautiful Macklemore Club, uh, Dwayne Horton, with him as well. So we'll be talking about the Macklemore and Charlie's time there and and a little bit more about that project as well. So three first timers on the show next week, which will be very exciting. Really looking forward to having those guys all as part of the show. And folks, you can stream this show as a podcast on a number of great sites and apps like podcast.co, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Pod, uh, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and uh, radio.com. So we're, if you've got a favorite podcasting site, we're probably on it. So folks, thanks again for choosing to listen to this show tonight. We really appreciate the fact that you continue to make this show a part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.